Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. With us today on the broadcast is Ron Kangas. Ron, today we come to the first fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. Before we join Witness Lee's Fellowship on chapter 3, can you give our listeners a brief review of what we have seen up to this point of God's eternal purpose in chapter 1 and the way God fulfills his heart's desire in chapter 2? I would like to approach this by using two specific words to speak of God's purpose in Genesis 1 and two other exact words concerning God's heart's desire in Genesis 2. It may come as no surprise to regular listeners that the words chosen for God's purpose in chapter 1 are image and dominion. The word image is really crucial. It indicates that as human beings, we have been designed and created by God to be his corporate expression. Dominion suggests the need to exercise authority to subdue an enemy in order to have a kingdom as a realm for God to carry out his purpose. So here we see the essential significance of human life created by God to be his image, that is his expression, and to exercise dominion for his kingdom. In chapter 2, the focus is on the creation of Eve as a counterpart of Adam. The two crucial words for chapter 2 are life and building. This chapter speaks of the tree of life, which signifies God in Christ as our life supply, and which indicates that God's purpose is accomplished by God's life. The word building, the Lord God builded a woman with the bone taken from Adam, points to something corporate. God's thought is not that we would be millions of isolated individuals, but that we would be a corporate expression in his image, exercising his dominion, filled with his life, and builded together as the wife to satisfy his heart's desire. These are some of the crucial things indicated or revealed in these two chapters. Thank you, Ron. That background helps us set the stage for today's message from Genesis 3 on the first fall of man. Let's join Witness Lee. The first two chapters of the Bible tell us God's eternal purpose. Then the second chapter tells us how God fulfills his purpose, the procedure. But now... Right after these two chapters, before God would do anything, Satan came in. 
And according to Genesis, from chapter 2 through chapter 11, man had, I do believe, four faults. Let's see the first fault. Number one, we must find out what was the cause of man's first fault. The cause. Then, number two, we have to find out what was the way that man's first fall transpired. And then thirdly, we have to find out also what is the result of man's first fall. This is the burden tonight. Satan was the first factor of the cause of man's first fall. Satan just was Satan. You shouldn't accept Satan could be better. And he has a specific name that is the temperature. And the way Satan tempts always firstly to make a proposal to man. And his proposal would be always put a question mark on God's word. Remember this, young people. Satan would always come in to tempt you by making a proposal. And his proposal is always to raise up a question mark on God's word. Anytime you young people would uh, doubt the word of God, you have to realize that is not you. That is the little serpent. Now, we must see the real factor of man's fall. The real factor of man's fall was woman's assuming the headship. If forgot her husband, if that day I was there, and I was Eve, when the devil came to me, I would not even look at him. I would right away turn to my husband and hide myself behind him. Let Adam be the head. Let my husband take the headship. Then there'd be no problem. You know, Today, the principle is still here. Whenever we would do something, putting the Lord aside, that is right away our defeat already. As long as you are there facing the situation, I tell you, you stay away from your husband. And that is the real factor of man's first fault. And the principle today is still the same. Ron, let's interrupt Witness Lee here. Can you say more from your own experience how the main factor of our defeat is to assume the headship instead of taking Christ as our head? We should not think that the events of Genesis 3 are merely history. Consider Paul's word in 2 Corinthians 11. I fear that as the serpent seduced Eve through his craftiness, 
So your thoughts should be led astray from the simplicity that is toward Christ. In the same chapter, Paul tells the believers in the church in Corinth that he espoused them to Christ as a virgin. Here I would point out, first, that in the eyes of God, all the believers, male and female, are virgins or part of the wife. Second, we need to see that just as Satan, in the form of the serpent, beguiled the female, God's enemy would attempt to do the same thing in principle to us today. And the way is to attack the mind. So Paul says something about the thoughts being led astray. The real danger here is that we forget that we are the wife and that our head, Christ, is our husband. Eve's mistake was to engage the serpent directly in conversation instead of going to Adam, discussing the situation, and allowing him to deal with it. Instead, she uncovered her head, acted independently of her husband, and was snared. Today, if we have confidence in our own natural intellect, and if we act independently of Christ as our husband, we may find ourselves seduced, deceived, beguiled, and led astray by God's enemy. We need to have our heads covered. And when the tempter comes, instead of trying to resist him in our own strength, we should call on the Lord, humble ourselves before the Lord, allow him to cover us with himself, and allow him to speak the decisive word. The problem is that we believers too often are wives who forget that we're married, and we behave more like husbands than like submissive wives. We need to learn a crucial lesson. We're the wife. Christ is the husband. He is our head. Let us honor him. Let us allow him to cover us, and in oneness with him and dependence on him, allow him to deal with the enemy. Thank you, Ron. Let's return to Witness Lee. Now we come to the prophet. Why Eve and Adam both failed? Because they didn't use their spirit. If that day Eve would turn to the spirit, there would be no prophet. I tell you, today our husband is just in our spirit. If we would stay in our mind, that is assuming of the headship. That is the setting up of your mind to be something. I tell you, this is awful. And this is also sinful. We must realize our husband today is in our spirit. We must exercise our spirit. Nearly all Christians, they only know how to pray asking God to help them, they don't know that they themselves have a regenerated and enjoyed spirit by the Holy Spirit. They don't know this, but we all have to know that we do have such organs with a strong function. And 
today the very Lord is right in our spirit. We have to turn to our spirit. How do you know that you don't use your spirit? Well, so easy to understand. If you can't take any person, if you can't take anything without being one with God, I tell you, that means you don't use your spirit. Whatever you do, if you don't do it by contacting God, you are independent to your spirit. <laughs> and you are independent to God. Then, not using the spirit, but rather <laughs> exercise the soul. My, surely many of us do understand this. Many times, in many occasions, we don't pray, we don't exercise our spirit, we will think, we will consider, we will study. Why don't you pray? I just couldn't pray because I have too many thoughts, my mind is too active, I couldn't quiet it down. Anytime I could stop my thinking, turn my thinking to pray. If you could do this, and this means what? This means you are a person working with the Lord and living in His presence. Let's stop again right here, Ron. Can you explain more what Witness Lee means when he exhorts us to exercise our spirit? It's actually hard to know where to begin on this crucial matter. First, let me say, it is an undeniable fact revealed in the Scriptures that Man is tripartite. We are created with a spirit, a soul, and a body. This means that the soul and the spirit are not interchangeable terms. They are two distinct functions of a whole human being. Second, every part of our God-created being needs to be exercised. We should not be lazy or passive in any way. The Lord's word about loving the Lord our God with our heart and soul and mind and strength indicates we need to be exercised in loving the Lord and following the Lord. Our minds should be sharp and exercised. Our emotions should be rich in feeling. Our will should be exercised to stand one with the Lord and against the enemy. Our heart should be very active in believing the Lord and loving the Lord. But what about our spirit? We should not sit passively waiting for inspiration, but exercise our spirit unto godliness. That's Paul's word in 1 Timothy 4. Just as we exercise our body and every part of our soul, we need to exercise our spirit bringing it into active function. How do we do that? There are some clues in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, I will sing with my spirit, I will pray with my spirit, and with the understanding also. So we exercise our spirit by praying, by singing, by calling on the Lord. The Lord Jesus speaks about worshiping God in spirit. The underlying point here is that instead of being lazy or passive, we should exercise our whole being, including our spirit, to contact God 
and be one with him. Paul tells us that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. This implies that we can exercise our spirit, bring our spirit into active function to contact God. This is crucial in a living and organic Christian life. Thank you, Ron. Let's rejoin our life study and witness Lee. Now we come to the result. I would say this is more important than we can know where we are today and what we are. Number one, the soul corrupted, ruined. Why? Because the soul received the devil's thought and words. Eve shouldn't talk to this evil one. While she was talking there, I tell you, the evil one's concept got into her mind. So before Eve took the tree of knowledge, her mind got corrupted already. Then the body changed in nature. The body originally was created by God. It was a pure vessel with pure organs. But by taking the tree of knowledge, some element, foreign element, was added into man's body. So man's body became flesh. Man's body was a body without sin. It was pure. But since the fruit of the tree of knowledge got into man's body, that means something of the evil element of Satan got into man's body. According to Romans 7, that something is called sin that dwells in man's fallen flesh. Paul says clearly, it is no longer I, but sin that dwells in my flesh. The element of Satan got into man's body through the tree of knowledge. You all have to realize the little parable I used. A little boy was charged by the mother not to touch certain bottles because poison was in the bottle. And one day the mother was away and the little child took the bottle and picked the thing within the bottle. He not only transgressed, that is a small thing. The biggest thing is that he got some poison yeah. into his being. Right, right, right. In the day when man took the tree of knowledge, something got into man's body. Yeah. Right. It is not just a matter of transgression, but it is a matter that something poisonous. That is called sin. The very nature of the evil one got into man's body. Then the spirit is deadened. Sin didn't get into the spirit, yet the spirit was deadened. And the Bible tells us, as in Ephesians 2, before we got saved, we were all dead. That not in the body, not in the soul, but that in our spirit. 
what does it mean to be dead? To be dead means simply to lose its function, to lose its sensation. We all have a human spirit for us to contact God, but since man got fallen, man's spirit was dead. Man's spirit became senseless and uh, became functionless. We all have to realize this. It's all together a matter within us. Body, soul, and spirit. Ma, the body is in nature. The soul is corrupted and contaminated and the spirit is dead. Ron, this is an enlightening revelation that through the fall of man, the sinful element entered. Can you share more how this is proven from our own experience? It is proved from our experience as long as we assess our experience in the light of the truth in the scriptures. Adam and Eve ate something, and what they ate entered into them. Yes, they committed an objective, outward, concrete act of disobedience. They broke a command. They disobeyed God. But worse, they took something into them. What did they take? In a very real sense, they took in Satan as sin. So Paul could say in Romans, sin entered. He goes on to describe sin in personified terms. Sin operates in me. It is not I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. If we study Romans, especially chapter 7, regarding sin, we see that it's something sinister, even satanic, in our being. When Adam and Eve fell, they not only did something wrong outwardly, they took something evil into them intrinsically. Now we have sin in us. If we are willing for our experience to be exposed and examined in the light of God, we will have to admit that there is something radically wrong with our inner being. There is something in us that is not of God's original creation. There is an evil power, almost a person with a life and nature in us, that causes us to do things we don't want to do. The Bible calls this indwelling sin. Paul eventually had to cope with this and struggle against it until he realized God's way of deliverance. In brief, God's answer to sin is for his Son to come in the likeness of the flesh of sin and concerning sin to die on the cross as our sin offering so that indwelling sin could be condemned and that the divine life could be imparted to our spirit. Yes, in our fallen nature, we have sin. But in our regenerated spirit, 
we have Christ as our sin offering. The more we admit the fact of indwelling sin, the more we will appreciate the wonder of God's love in causing His Son to die in the likeness of the flesh of sin, that we may be saved, wholly, absolutely saved, judicially and organically in the life of the triune God. Thank you, Ron. You have been listening to The Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge.